Hi, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Alan, I am terrific with the tap capital tur. Good. Good. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know. I It, it sounded better in my head where the voices live. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. How about you? Um, I'm doing great. My voices tell me so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are doing, I believe, our second of two consecutive drops of of these Pawnee Spotlight episodes that we've been really lucky to have done. That's right. Uh, Today's episode is with Andy Milder, who was our guest this uh, fall as we were about to cover, I believe, his last appearance in The Fight. The Fight. Yeah, the classic episode. Uh, Thus ending his run as everyone's least favorite club owner, Freddie. The guy you love to hate. Yeah. You'll know Andy as a film and TV actor from a ton of other credits, including Apollo 13, uh, Fame, the L.A. series version, Armageddon, Frost Nixon. Um, He's done voice work on Legion of Superheroes. He uh, uh, had a spot on Austin and Alley, if you got them their kids or did back in those days. Yep. Uh, And a little show I like to call Weeds. Well, I guess everyone calls it Weeds. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, one of my one of my favorite Showtime shows. But uh, we also know him from two of our favorite hard hitting political shows, uh, The West Wing yes. and uh, Parks and Recreation. That's right. Yeah. Hard hitting political shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, we really did enjoy talking to Andy. Um, I know we, we played a few clips uh, when we aired the fight. But today you'll get to hear that entire interview and hear a little bit about other parts of his career and how he got into acting. And uh, he was another great guest. I really enjoyed talking to Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a blast talking to him. Uh, he he put us very much at ease and very very funny, very very nice. A lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with no further ado, we'll let you hear that interview with Andy, and then we'll be back. Yep, we'll be back. All right. Terrific special guest today. You know him as the semi-sleazy and not always lovable Freddie, owner of the Snake Hole Lounge. Please welcome the very talented Andy Milder. Hello, gentlemen. How are you, Andy? Well, I'm swell, thank you. Um, and and as much as I would like to be offended by your uh, introduction, I think it's right on the money. <laughs> so we we were going to ask you how you felt about that because I I felt a little weird writing it, but then I'm like, you know what? I think he probably knows. I, I, yeah, it's it's kind of hard not to. Um, I mean, like I remember like purposefully having my shirt a little too open, and I had a chain I think on, and it was all uh, it was all a little much, but it was certainly a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks again for joining us, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a pleasure, Andy. Tell us, how did you come to Parks and Rec and, and your role as Freddie? Do you remember? Um, God, it's been so long ago now. That's kind of a tough question. Um, I think, no, I don't think. Dorian Frankel was one of the casting directors at the time. And uh, Dorian uh, and I have known each other through this business for a thousand years. She's awesome. And um, she had me in to read for it. Uh, Weeds was, I think, still going on or, or something at the time. And uh, someone must have said, uh, hey, get that Weeds asshole. And uh, so they did. <laughs> so uh, here I am. Did you have any idea when, uh, I, I assume you went in uh, for casting or just to, to, to try out for the part, did you have any idea if it was going to be a recurring role or like if it was going to be a one and done? Honestly, with, with every job you ever auditioned for, you always kind of hope it's a recurring role. You'll never, you never know 
they say, sometimes they'll say to you, oh yeah, this is, this is, gonna, this is gonna be recurring. And then it's, of course you're in and out and you never see them again. And other times they say to you, uh, this is a one-time deal and you say, great. And then they bring you back a couple of times. Um, I, there was one episode, one show I did private practice, uh, Shonda Rhimes show, and uh, they had me in and my, it was clearly a one episode thing. And then the next season they brought me back to do another episode. I was like, wow, fantastic. So you just never know, you never know. Nice. That's great. Um, you know, once I saw it, by the way, I, I was hoping because I, I love the show. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, like I was like, ooh, this guy could come back. That'd be awesome. Well, Andy, this week we're, we're actually covering, I think, episode uh, 11 from season three, The Fight, which I think was your fourth and final appearance. Um, what do you remember about that episode? This is one that's kind of become very meme worthy, um, you know, with uh, everyone gets a little too drunk on the snake juice there at the Snake Hole Lounge. And it's definitely a fan favorite. Um, I, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I remember bits and pieces of a few of those things, but I don't remember any like one specific, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know that's kind of crazy, but they all merge after a while into one concept for me. Um, I didn't even realize I'd done four. If you want to know the honest truth, <laughs> I thought I'd done two. You know, I remember, I just remember it was a lot of fun because I remember everyone you know, and I'm sure you've heard this from other guests, but the whole thing was, you know, okay, we'll do it. Okay, now let's do it and screw around. And those were always the takes that were, uh, I don't know if they wound up using a lot of them in general, but uh, certainly they they allowed for you to build on whatever character you were working on. And so I remember they didn't use one thing that I was dying for them to use. Um, and it was uh, when Tom, he had come in, he was a partner now, I'd made him a partner and he was standing up in the booth and there were other people standing up in the booth. And in the do it your own take, I said, uh, you got to sit down. You can't, you can't stand up in the booth. But just to him. <laughs> and I thought, I, I, don't, I don't think they wound up using it, but I was like, oh, come on, come on. That would have been totally in character. I, you know, and, and I, I, God, I wish I, I mean, the stories that I have, again, aren't so much like, oh God, in this episode, X, Y, and Z. Um, but like, like Amy, I never worked with Amy. Right? I never worked with her directly. We never had a scene together. But I remember like the second time I showed up and I got on the van that was taking us all from you know wardrobe and makeup to the actual shooting area of the snake hole. And um, she, uh, I got in the van, she goes, Andy, great to have you back. And I was like, that is class personified. That is it, man. She was, she was just, I thought that's, that's what a, a, a a lead of a show should be doing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I did an episode that's of Roseanne where like day three, I finally went up to Roseanne and said, hi, I'm Andy and put up my hand, you know, to shake it. I don't shake hands. So I gave her my elbow and we tapped elbows and that was the end of that. And it was like, wow, you know, two different, two different polarities of star. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we've heard lots of great theme, things about Amy and the, the tone that was set by her, you know, as you know, and Mike is the showrunner. So, you know, I, I think I noted on this episode specifically that it was written by Amy and it was the second one that you were on that was written by Amy and also directed by Randall Einhorn. So, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I remember him. As the writer, would she have not been on set then typically if she didn't have a scene since she was obviously a star too? So She was around. She was there. Yeah. What I mean though is uh, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about like interaction in a scene, yeah. working with them, talk, you know, having lines of dialogue together. Absolutely. Was she right. there? Absolutely. But yeah. you know, also 
Amy, as the star and as a producer on the show, isn't just sitting around. Right, <laughs> right. She's, right. she's yeah. working, she's got things going on. And especially as a guest star, you don't want to be like, hey, hey, uh, I'm the puppy dog. Come play with me. Pet me. You know what I mean? Like, you just want to be, you want to get there, you want to do your shit, you want to get out of the way and, and uh, not bother anybody. And so that's kind of where I was at. Sure. And, and again, play. I mean, it's a very, it was a very playful set. Everyone was there clearly to have fun. Um, so it wasn't like they were saying to me like, uh, all right, just the line is X. Make sure you hit line. X. You missed the word the in that set, which and I've been on those shows. Believe me. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's like, uh, no, that was golly. That was not this show. Wow. Well, one thing that we've heard from several people that we've been lucky enough to talk to, uh, including yourself, is, you know, kind of getting, I think, what, what you call the fun run after you get the lines initially and then just kind of saying, OK, let, let's go nuts and bring in some extra creativity and maybe we'll use it. Maybe we don't. And that's yeah. that's pretty cool when they allow you to do that. It's honestly there are only a few shows I've been on where they specifically do that. And uh, it's awesome. It's just awesome, especially when you have people that caliber of, of, of improv that you're working with. I mean, I'm a decent improver. I am not Amy Polar level improv, you know, or Nick or any, or any of those guys. So uh, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Have you been on other single camera shows? Cause I know that's one of the things unique about the faux documentary style is that, you know, it provides opportunities, I think for some of that, that others, you know, a three camera show doesn't, for example. Oh, yeah, I would say most of my stuff, to be honest with you, has been, I, I would say less of my work has been three camera and more of my work has been single. Okay. Camera. Oh, okay. Um, That's good. But but it's always been, again, you know, I mean, it's been scripted. They're scripted shows, right? And yeah. even though Parks and Recs is a scripted show, there is a feel of improv that always permeated the room. So, yes, I had my lines, but we knew that the fun take was coming. And we also knew that if somebody went off the rails a little bit it was cool just go it didn't happen a ton in my stuff i didn't have a ton to do to be honest with you but um i, I was ready for it and i knew to be ready for it so, you know I, I have not yet been on uh and probably never will be on um curb but I, it had that kind of feel to it without it curb is literally unscripted yeah. you know I, i've auditioned for curb they say to you even in the auditions they say okay here's the setup here's larry you're gonna have to tell larry that He's doing X, Y, and Z wrong. Go. And you go. Uh, and, and I felt similar on this show, even though it was scripted. I had my lines. I knew them. We, and we stuck to them for the most part. But I was ready at any moment. I was always just kind of itching. Like, all right, are we going to screw around? What are we going to do? <laughs> That's kind of cool that the writing had the, it's scripted, but it kind of had the, the feel of the improv, I think, is what, what I hear you saying. I, that's got to be a testament to how good the writers are, huh? Oh, dude, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Look, I, you know, Weeds was, an, I think, a very funny and really well-written show. Um, but it didn't have that edge of improv on it. It had that edge of finely honed writing. Mm -hmm. Very different thing. Both excellent in their own ways. But, uh, and, you know, I don't want to put down the writers. I don't want them to be like, he thinks we're not finely honed. Go screw you, Milder. Um, I did, but it, but it had that edge that anything could happen in any moment. And that's, it was just, it was fun. It was just it was walking the razor's edge and it was a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah. Well, Andy, how did you get started in, in professional acting? Did you always have the acting bug? Yeah. Um, when I was probably six, I remember 
one of my earlier memories uh, was watching Hogan's Heroes and uh, literally saying, oh, that's what I want to do. I'm not going to lie to you. Part of it was outsmarting Nazis. But, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I just I knew very early on that that was absolutely something I wanted to do. And um, then I thought, oh, I'll be a lawyer. And uh, I've told this story before, but you probably haven't heard it, which is I was a, an economics major at Berkeley. My friends had gone away for the summer to go to Europe, and I stuck around and took an LSAT prep course. And uh, the one thing I had, the one thing I could nail every time, because they only had three things then, was logic games, right? So uh, Alan sits next to Mark at a, at a table, has to sit to the right of Mark. Andy sits in seat seven. Where, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Kathy sits in three. Where are these two? And I could nail it every time. So I took the LSAT. Missed that section, just got nervous, blew it. Uh, don't know how badly I blew it, but I blew it badly enough that I knew that I didn't ace it. And back then you could fill out a form, mail it, that said, don't grade it. Just don't grade it. I'll take it again, but don't grade it. And that way I won't have two scores. I'll only have one score. Oh. And I sat in front of the post, the Berkeley post office for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. I can't remember how long. Going, if I mail this, I'm going to try to be a lawyer. If I rip it up and walk away, I'm going to try to be an actor. And about after an hour and a half, I ripped it up, walked away, and never looked back. Wow. Talk so, about a fork in the road. Yeah, it really was. I mean, like, it, it really, I mean, I know it sounds like, oh, Andy, it's literally what happened. Like, I thought, this is it. This is my choice. If I want to be a lawyer, I mail this. If I don't want to be a lawyer, I want to try to be an actor. And I did. That's exactly wow. what I did. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I got, and I got very lucky, so. And you've gotten to play a lawyer a couple of times as well. So. I've gotten to play a lawyer a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was looking at your bio this morning and I just to refresh my memory, you know, obviously, you know, you've had both movies and TV and then you mentioned voiceover, you know, for animation. You know, I, I'm going to list a few just for our listeners. So Apollo 13, uh, Fame, L.A., the series, Armageddon, Frost Nixon, uh, the Legion of Superheroes. I know uh, you've got a character on there or had one. Austin and Alley. Um, a little show called Weeds that you mentioned. Uh, and then, of course, our two favorite hard-hitting political shows, The West Wing and Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> the West Wing was really cool in so much as they... Um, I remember I was walking down... Uh, again, let me set up the scene a little bit for you. Back in the day, you'd go to Warner Brothers and um, there was literally like Casting Alley. So there was one big room and then like, I kid you not, eight casting directors had offices down the alley, down the hallway. And uh, you'd go to audition for, say, ER, and you'd walk past someone else's office who was casting Friends, and so on and so forth. Wow. And so the smart of us would then kind of knock on doors as we walked out of our auditions to say, hey, it's me, you know, remember me, I'm, you know. Um, and I, hey, it's me over uh, to the West Wing folks. And... Um, they said, oh, hey. I said, it's my favorite show. It's my favorite show on television. And they said, really? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, want to do a role? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, it's not a big one. Do you still want it? And I said, yeah. And so uh, I got two episodes out of it. And it was fantastic. I loved every second of it. That's wow. awesome. It was great. It was great. Yeah, but that's, that's a really good show. Every now and again, you get lucky like that. Not often, but every now and again, you get, you get lucky like that. And God, I, I got to say... Um, I know this is a Parks and Rec thing, so I won't drag on too long. But golly, that show is so exciting and so alive at that time. Like there was nothing better on television. Completely agree. Well
We're fans too, and we've actually talked about the West Wing probably more than we should on Parks and Rec on our podcast. <laughs> it, you know, and it's funny because they, they've definitely borrowed some things from it. We've seen many walk and talks. You know, sure. the, West Wing was kind of famous for that. They love to do that shot on on Parks and Rec, and we love it every time they do it. We mention it. So, and uh, you know, and obviously Rob Lowe, having been on both shows, has got that connection. So there's that little thing. And true, true. We heard we heard he's got a podcast now too. Apparently, so you know. There is a West Wing podcast. I know that I think Josh does it, but... Yeah, Josh Molina. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love his Twitter byline says that he he ruined the West Wing. So I, <laughs> I think that's hysterical. So Who am I to argue with Josh? Well, I know that, you know, Freddie, we kind of mentioned at the top uh, in the intro, not necessarily always the most likable. No. Um, you, you've, I think you've played a few other difficult characters, too. I mean, your, your character in Weeds is maybe not always making the best decisions, for example, right? Well, so, I mean, in the pilot, I am cheating on my wife and having a tennis racket shoved in my behind. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the pilot. That's, that's before the pilot. anybody knows anything about the damn show. Yeah. It could be better. So, yeah. Thank God for Showtime. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have had weeds back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, you know, the, the thing that I liked about Freddie, to be honest with you, was that he, he was very unlikable. He, he really was a jerk, to be, to be honest with you. But what I liked about at least the way I thought it was written and the way I tried to play it was he was very upfront about it. He wasn't, right. you know, there are some people who are like, hey, buddy. Hey. Right. Freddie was like, yeah, no, no. Uh, hey, hey, uh, you know, he'd be like, hey, uh, can, how about this idea? How about we do this? No. <laughs> Just bam, shoot it down, end. And I, yeah. I love that. I, I really thought that was hysterical about him. I thought that was like outrageously funny. And that was part of what, what I thought was the charm, if you will, of Freddy, even though he was such <laughs> an unlikable character, at least he was open and honest about who he was and what he was up to. That's interesting. Yeah, he's, he's not necessarily likable, but you know where you stand with him. Always. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, 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 and it was fun to do. Well, and he definitely had Tom's number, that was for sure. Yeah, so, right? I mean, and Aziz yeah. was, you know, I mean, he, he that was his whole thing. Tom's whole thing was, come on, come on, let's do it. No. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I, I've always, it's hard. I, I break a lot. I smile. I, and it was, it's sometimes it's very hard just to keep a straight face and be like, absolutely not. I and mean, that was, that was what I tried to do with Freddie in a way. So it was fun. We had a good time doing it. That's great. Of, of all the stuff in your resume, what else stands out for you that, you know, you really kind of look back on and, you know, with enjoyment and, and good memories? Well, good memories and bad memories, both. I mean, obviously weeds. Weeds is probably the, the, the most fun I've had on a yeah. show. Um, I would argue Criminal Minds was, uh, was a lot of fun. Mostly, it was, it was both a lot of fun and very draining and difficult because the character I played was so evil and so awful. And, mm. uh, uh I, I was, I tried very hard and I hope I did to not fall into a stereotype with that guy. Um, but, uh, that was one and people still to this day on the street, how many episodes of Weeds did I do? People come up to me and like, you're that guy from Criminal Minds. Um, really? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. And um, I had a lot of fun. I mean, like, I, I've been very fortunate. There, uh, You know, I, I could talk some smack about a couple of shows, but I'm not going to. Generally, I've had a, a really good and lucky run on what I've been able to work on. And um, I had a lot of fun on a lot of shows. Like I said, Weeds was nonstop party. That was just fun the whole time. Um, you mentioned Fame LA, which I think all of 18 people have ever seen. Um, but 
we had a great time working on Fame LA. Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, we were singing and dancing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I wasn't because they were smart enough not to have me do that. But uh, <laughs> but everyone else was. Um, I don't know. I, I've been, I, you know, it, it's been it's been a fun ride for me because it um, I've had a, a various and in sundry jobs and things to do. And that makes that makes it all the more worthwhile and more fun because, you know, I mean, look at everyone wants to get a series and everyone wants to play one character for a long period of time. But you also notice that a lot of these people leave those shows because they're sick of playing that character. Sure. Um, I've never gotten to that point and I enjoy playing as many as I've been allowed to play. Well, I mean, you know, on Weeds as playing Dean, you you were, I think you were in 58 episodes, at least according to the official bio. So, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're right there in the pilot too, like you said. So a very memorable one for sure. And that's another great cast too. I mean, just really fabulous people, very funny people too. I mean, Mary Louise is, uh, I, 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 there are a few actors that I have worked with that I think are just simply as good as she. Um, she, I mean, you know, I mean, I've worked with Tom Hanks. I think he's fabulous too. But I mean, she's up. She's certainly on that level of of, of just oh, wow. pure talent. And and when you're working across from someone, there's they're feeding you whether they mean to be or not. And with Mary Louise, there was just an electricity in the room whenever she was doing anything. Mm. Um, I did an episode of Boston Legal many years ago, just a small courtroom scene, but it was with Spader. And I remember thinking, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to stare him down. And I know as my character that I probably won't be able to stare him down, but I'm going to try to stare him down. So I start in one scene and all of a sudden, I, re- I mean, like he's looking back at me and he, I think he knows what I'm doing and I look away. And I go, okay, all right, good. That was good. That was good. I think that was right in character. This time for fun though, I'm going <laughs> to stare him down. I couldn't do it. <laughs> He scared the shit out of me. He, he just, the look he gave me was too intense. I had to look away. I could never, and then I was, then it became like, Andy now, get out of character and stare this some bitch down. And I couldn't do it. I just could not do it. Yeah. So that was He's pretty, got the look. pretty good that way too. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, there, there, but there've been a few of, I mean, you know, there, there've been a few tips. Tom Hanks, for example, I mean, like I've had really, I've had some very fortunate experiences. I will name three guys off the top of my head. Tom Hanks, Ted Danson, and believe it or not, because people give him a bad rep, but it's not true, Ed O'Neill. Mm. Three of the nicest guys I ever worked with, ever. Uh, they couldn't have been classier or nicer. Ed O'Neill uh, took me and a couple of other people. We, we said, well, come on, man, we're gonna go rub a lunch across the street. And I reached into my pocket and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I don't know how much I owe. I, I'm, I'm 20, I, I'm probably 24 at this point. I said, uh, I don't know how much I owe, probably owe. He says, can I curse here? I've already cursed a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, go for it. Okay. And he says, uh, I'm a fucking TV star. Put your money away. I'm buying lunch. <laughs> All right. Wow. God, I love you, man. Thank you. But that's just who he is, uh, you know? And, and Ted Danson was smoking a Cuban on, on Becker. And there he is smoking his Cuban cigar. And he's in the dress area. He's in the makeup room. And I go, oh, that smells good, man. Cubans. I don't even know where to get them anymore. And he goes, oh, hey, I can't leave because they're putting on uh, some of my makeup. But, um... Go into my trailer, uh, the second drawer on the left, help yourself. I got too many of them. Got too many of them. I said, Wow. I said, I can't do that. That's ridiculous, Ted. I can't, I can't do it. He said, and, and he got serious for a second. He went, Oh, you'll insult me if you don't. <laughs> so I took a right. cigar, but but the point is, who's that nice? Who's right. that nice? And Tom Hanks, when I worked on Apollo 13, 
there was a joke that we made. Nobody knows this, so this you can break this one. There was a joke that we made uh, that actually I created. Thank you very much. That all <laughs> um, Earth to satellite communications should be in haiku. So we were joking around and we made all these haiku. Anyway, the show's over and From the Earth to the Moon's coming up. And I really want to get on From the Earth to the Moon. I'm really excited about it. It was a really cool project. And I said to my agents, hey, get me in on From the Earth to the Moon. They said, no, the casting isn't seeing anyone from Apollo 13. They don't want to load it back up. And I said, okay. And I wrote a note to Tom Hanks, got it to his assistant and said, I don't know if you remember me. I'm the haiku guy. All I'm asking for is an audition, but I'd love to get one. And the next thing I know, uh, I'm booked for two episodes to play basically the same role I played in Apollo yeah. 13. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, how classy is that? How great is that? That's awesome. So you may have the distinction of only being the, being the only person who got to play themselves in both of those productions. People who were in it, but I think I'm the only one who played the same same guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Guido, right? Yeah, exactly. So you were the guidance guy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I should know his name too, and I can't remember it. Shame on me. That's so cool. Those are great experiences. And Ron Howard, I should give him props too. He was an awfully swell guy too. Everyone says, oh, he can't be that nice. Yeah, he kind of can be, you know, him and Tom both. Super nice guys. Isn't that crazy? Somebody that big, that kind of larger than life and, and, you know, in the culture, if you will, and they're still decent people. That's, that's really refreshing. And beyond decent. I mean, like going out of their way decent. I mean, yeah. like crazy. I think we were talking to Mo Collins uh, a little bit ago and she, we kind of got into a similar conversation where it's like, isn't it cool when you, you, you meet these people that you really like and, and if they're, if they're decent, if they're really cool, it just makes it so much better. And then there's the flip of it. If they turn out to be straight A jerks, that kind of kills it. So that's really nice to hear. Yeah. And I've met a couple of those straight A jerks. I was just talking about one earlier today and, um, that sucks, but it's when you get the when you get those people who really are like super super cool and super nice, and you're like, you're Tom Hanks, you don't need to be nice to me, and yet you are. That's just really, I mean, like, wow, thanks. That's that's so cool. It's amazing. Yeah, and same for Ted, and I mean, you know, and, and Ron, frankly, all of them. They, I mean, like, who the hell am I? Especially before Weeds, and these were all before Weeds, and it was like, who the hell am I? And Boom, they're, they're right there. It's, it's, it just reminds you that the press that some of these guys get is just nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they're just people. They're just people. And most people generally are decent. But I like to say that decent is a pretty low bar, right? How's the food there? <laughs> decent. Well, then I'm not going back. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I had not thought of it that way, but now I will. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Andy, I, I was kind of curious, you know, we've, we've gone through a few of the, of the things you've been on. You've got a very impressive resume for sure. We've, we've listed movies, we've listed TV shows. What do you think? Do you like, do you have a preference? Do you like to do movies instead of TV or vice versa? Or does it not matter? Isn't it funny? I'm of that age. And I don't know how old you guys are. You look younger than me, but I'm of that age where, where when we first came, when I first came to LA, movies were still a bigger deal. Like, Ooh, if you could get into movies, that's better than TV. But I think through all the changes, it's, and you know, people say Netflix. I think it's just cable. I think HBO really started it with The Sopranos. I agree. Um, I think TV's more interesting. I think there's, you know, you can do more with a character over a nine-hour arc than you can over a two-hour arc, period. End of story. I mean, there's just, there's just more to do. So if you're asking me what would I rather do, I think I would rather do TV. And I think, frankly, at this point in the game, that's where the best writers are too. And that's not to say that 
that good writers aren't writing movies. They are. You know, you get to do more. Look at Noah Howley, man. When I first watched Legion, and I loved Fargo. I thought Fargo was spectacular. And so I'm like, ooh, I want to see what he does with Legion because I'm a comic book dweeb. And uh, he, he says, uh, yes. <laughs> and and I remember I remember going, I don't know. Like, like, I kept watching. I felt like I was compelled to keep watching. And then I got to the final episode and I watched it and went, I am so glad that I stuck it out because I thought he made it all come together so electrically in that final episode of the first season. I was blown away. I was totally blown away by the whole series and, and fell in love with it and, and loved it ever since. Uh, and, I, and, and, and again, why? Because you have an arc of eight, 10, whatever, how many episodes he did to really create something. And that's why to me, the, the medium of television right now is the most interesting medium that there is out there. It, it, it allows you to do more and it allows you to create more. And if you're on a good show on a good network, they allow you to, to, to really stretch the limits of what we're used to. Speaking of connections, Aubrey Plaza in Legion. Uh, right, so, exactly, exactly. Yep. And how great was she in that? Insanely great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How I mean, we knew she was good in parks. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never seen her in something I didn't like her in. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, she's one of those people. And I wish I'd gotten to work with her really a lot more. Um, I did not. Another person who's, you know, she and Pratt and I, just people who are like, oh my God, like insanely talented. I remember seeing her the first time I'd seen her off of this show. Uh, and I don't even remember what it was, but just going, oh, wow, it's not just Parks and Rec for her. Yeah. yeah. She's um, got some chops. I should say so, man. She's tremendous. Just tremendous. But then again, you know, this whole cast, I mean, like, find me someone on this cast who, who sucked, you know? Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a really good cast with a lot of really... And, and they had a combination of people who had improv background, of course, Amy and UCB and all that, uh, with people who were just really funny and also happened to be good at improv, like Pratt. I mean, like, he, he was crazy good at improv scenes, and I'm not sure they knew that coming in. Yeah. Someone saw it, obviously. But Here's a question for you guys, because you're big fans of uh, the show. Um, how stunned were you to see Pratt become a, a, a an action hero star, right? Wasn't expecting it. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? I mean, in a great way. I, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. But wow. I remember my wife and I were watching, uh, I want to say, like the previews came out for Guardians. And he'd oh, lost yeah. all that weight. Yeah. And he looked great. And we were like, that, that's the guy from what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Blew our mind. And and he's how good is he? I mean, you know, like another guy who I don't as an actor, you know, you, you, you watch you can't help but watch with an actor's eye, right? Everything I everything I watch, no matter uh, my wife and I right now are going through a thing where we're watching all the Academy Award winning movies starting from the beginning. Oh wow. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting. I bet. But but you're watching, you know, I'm watching a movie uh, like Grand Hotel, okay, with the biggest stars of their day. And I go, yeah, I didn't believe that moment. You know, and it's, it's Lionel Barrymore. So, you know, I mean, somebody who's the, one of the greatest actors of all time, you know. And I don't ever say that with Pratt. I never go like, mm, didn't buy it. I just, that blows my mind. It blows my mind. I, I'm so impressed by that. I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, you've got me thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I was blown away when I saw him in that. Um but then once I watched him for a second, I went, 
yeah, I, I get it. I see it because he, he is talented and he was kind of pretty funny in that movie too. So it's like yeah. this, this good line that he, he kind of straddled and I, yeah, he did a great job. I mean, and he's done a great job in just about everything I've seen him in too. So it's kind of the Harrison Ford hand solo line, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. dashing, uh, adventurous and yet always with a smile and a smirk and a comeback line and a little bit of comedy. You know, and, and they say the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments in Raiders, of course, is when he was sick as a dog, right? You know this story. Um, so. well, I'll tell it for your audience then, uh, where Harrison Ford had a huge fight scene scheduled in um, the Middle East where there's a guy with a whip and a swords and the things and they're going to get ready. And there was a huge choreographed fight scene and Harrison Ford was sick as a dog. I mean, like really, really, really had the flu badly. And they couldn't do it, and they couldn't come back to the location. So that's when the guy comes out. And he does. Uh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. So that's when he comes out. And he flips his swords, and does all these things, and Harrison Ford pulls out his gun and shoots him. <laughs> it's one of the funniest and best moments in the entire um, in the entire movie, and it was because he was sick. You gotta love it when something goes wrong, and it becomes like one of the better things about it. You know. Jaws, the mechanical breakdown right? of, the, of the shark, made the movie 18 times scarier than it would have been had it worked the way they wanted. Had you seen that dumb plastic shark the whole time, which would have absolutely ruined the movie. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's But then point. again, that's all, you know, so many movies and so many TV shows where they don't show you is so much more to anything. Whatever you make up in your mind is going to scare you more than whatever it is they show you. Because you know what scares you more than they know what scares you. And so if they leave it to your imagination and set it up right, it's going to be more terrifying. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, the last thing on Pratt real quick, I know that I remember Mike Schur said in one of the Paley Fest interviews they did, it was probably the reunion back in like 2019 or something because it was all retrospective. You know, he remembered that uh, Pratt had come to him and Greg and said, hey, I might need some time off. I'm going to try out for this thing that is a Marvel movie. And they they started referring to it as the raccoon movie. So they're like, yeah, he's he's going to go off and do this little raccoon movie. We'll see how that goes. And of course, there you go. That's tremendous. Yeah. And and the rest is history, as they say. As they say. Yeah. But yeah, that that's really cool. Alan, I agree with you, you know, that Mike Schur was willing to take, I mean, I guess you'd call it take a chance and just say, yeah, you know what, we'll work around you, do your little raccoon thing. And then, you know, and it turned out that was a great move. Yeah. Well, and that was what he said. He said, you know, they tried to be generous with people in terms of letting them do things. They weren't, you know, I know in the kind of the earlier eras of television, you know, studios wouldn't let you do other things because they didn't want you perceived a different way than the show that they wanted to promote you in. So, you know, they went against that grain and it paid off for everybody. I mean, they kept Pratt. Pratt came back and he's a huge movie star, but he's still in Parks and Rec at the end. And of course, you know, that, that was a little bit of a gambit, but it obviously paid off. I think generally in this business, the, the nicer you are, the more forgiving you are, it pays. I really do believe that. Um, and I've, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There have been times I've been an a-hole and there have been times I've been a nice guy. And inevitably, the a-hole never pays off and the nice guy does. And, um, you know, I, I, mine have been on a very small scale. But on that sort of thing where you're like, you know what, Chris, go ahead and do that movie. We'll work around you. As opposed to, screw you, man. We need you. You have to be here. Which they could have done, and he would have said goodbye. So yeah, no, I think all those. I think it, it's 
people forget that this business at its heart is collaborative. And yep. when you do not collaborate, you fail. That's a great point. It is a great point. I, I agree with you, Andy. I, I, I still like to think that there's something to karma as, as corny as that sounds, you know, I'd like to think if you do nice things, if you're considerate, that's going to eventually work its way back around. So my, my whole thing on karma is because I don't, I don't know if there is such a thing as karma per se, but here's what I'll tell you. My take on karma is I feel that if I do good things and nice things, whether it comes back to me or not, it comes back because I know that I've done good things and nice things, yeah. and I just feel better about myself and the world. So I get it back that. just from me. I get it back just from doing it. That's awesome. You know? And and whether it yeah, whether it actually comes back, it doesn't matter. I feel I feel better about me and I feel better about the world. Great point. I like it. Yeah. Grains of salt. Take it with whatever you want. <laughs> Andy, you know, we always try to ask, uh, what's next for you? Where can people find you? Right now, I just did uh, a little something. Uh, I've done a couple of little somethings. Uh, the next thing, I think I'm allowed to tell you. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so uh, if the lawsuit comes, I'll be begging <laughs> you to take this down. Uh, I, I, I will show up in uh, the next season of The Orville. Oh, really? Oh. Uh-huh. Um, and I will uh, show up in the next season of the uh, Lego City Adventures as a voice. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so I know those two things are coming up. I helped teach an acting class, which I thought I'd never do, but welcome to the pandemic. Um, I never had any interest in teaching. A friend of mine was teaching Zoom via Zoom, and I said, I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible. He said, come on, come on, come on, y'all have fun. Um, and it's been so rewarding and so uh, fantastic, I can't even tell you. Um, we charge next to nothing because it's not about making money. It's about teaching craft. And uh, God, we get a kick out of that. And um, there's about the, the size of it for right now anyway. You're also doing some cameos, correct? Oh, yeah, I do those. You know, I, again, uh, what I think I'd like to charge 40 bucks. I, I don't do it for the money. I do it because... I'm always flattered when somebody tries to reach out and, and uh, is interested in my work. What kind of requests do you typically get? So I had the, the strangest one I've had yet came the other day where a woman said, my daughter is turning 16 next week. She's a huge Criminal Minds fan. Would you uh, do your Criminal Minds character for her? And I'm like, oh God, uh, I kind of can, but I hate him. Uh, and so I did, I mean, I did it and I tried to make it as creepy as I could and send it off because, you know, but again, it's just flattering to me that people like the the stuff that I've created, the work that I've created, and I want to be available because I, I left Twitter, I left Facebook, uh, I'm not on Insta, uh, I'm a, I hate the Zuckerberg collective. Um, I think every chance they've had to do something awful, they've taken it. Uh, every chance they've had a, to put money over people they've they've gone for it mm. so i won't contribute to that and twitter just makes me angry because um there are a lot of nazis and other types on there that will find you and scream and yell at you and it's just like i don't i don't need that what i don't i don't need to be super famous i'm too old now to be super famous anyway and i don't need it and i i certainly don't need to be on those platforms so that's why cameo's kind of perfect if you if you're a fan Wonderful. Uh, I don't charge a lot. And you want me to talk? Great. I'm happy to. I'm, that's what you get. That's cool. That's great. It's generally, you know, it's funny. You move to this town and you think, I'm going to be a star and I'm going to 
do all your 20 something years old and you're like, come on, I'm going to do it all. And I remember literally being at an audition in a room full of guys in my late 30s and going, oh, I'm never going to be a movie star. (laughs) That's just not going to happen. Like, I I hadn't thought about it, but but like the stark reality of it has just smacked me in the face. That's just never going to happen for me. And it's okay. I mean, you know, that's fine. I don't need to be a movie star. But like, I... Always in my back pocket was that lottery ticket. I just didn't realize that had the drawing six months ago and I was way out. I don't need that anymore. I really love the I really love the process of acting. I really love creating characters. I really love what I do. I'm very fortunate to be able to do it. I hope I hope the powers that be here in LA allow me to keep doing it. That's all I can say. I love hearing that. Yep. And we enjoy watching you when we see you and stuff. So looking forward to that again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for chatting with us today, Andy. It was a great pleasure, uh, you know, all on this side, as we like to say. Oh, yeah. uh, Genuinely, honestly, I've done a few of these. This was lovely. This was absolutely uh, fantastic. You guys are uh, gentlemen and uh, interesting, fun things to talk about. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Andy. Oh, God, my pleasure. Again, really, genuinely. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks. All right. See ya. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, that was terrific. I, um, I, I enjoyed getting here the full interview with Andy. Um, we had some great clips on when we aired the the season three, the fight, but I think it was fun to hear about some of the other stuff outside of Parks and Recreation, as it always is with some of these guests we've had on the show. We've been very lucky that way. Oh, we absolutely have. And yeah, what an interesting guy. Um, I mean, just to hear about all the experiences he's had, all the show he's he's been on, it was very eye-opening. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another terrific guest that we were just, you know, was very gracious and kind to do the show in the first place and then uh, graced us with his time and uh, was very generous in that regard. Absolutely. Like like you've said, we've been very blessed. We've been very lucky. Yep. Well, hopefully we keep that streak up. And uh, <laughs> I know we've got uh, we've got the bookers uh, working on some future guests and we'll see what happens in season four as we get a little closer to that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that and I hope that everybody enjoyed this one today. Yep, absolutely. I know I did. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, thanks for joining us and we'll see you then. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.